Hey, everybody, before we get into the show, we have a major earth-shattering massive announcement. Nikki? Yes, it is that time again, Pete Wright. Our monthly planning membership is open for enrollment. GPS stands for Guided Planning Sessions, if you don't know already. We've worked really hard here at Take Control ADHD to provide you with a service that not only gives you ideas and strategies on how to plan your day and your week, but it also provides time and space for you to do the work and not just by yourself, but with others who understand and support you. We meet every Monday and Thursday, and there are three different sessions for each day that you're invited to attend. We are dedicated to making this membership to be one that is transformative in the way you think about planning and taking control of your time and schedule. There are so many benefits to the GPS membership, so please be sure to visit our website at takecontroladhd.com slash GPS. Enrollment is open now through May 8th. Thank you for your time and attention, and I hope to see you soon. On with the show. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Taking Control, the ADHD podcast on True Story FM. I'm Pete Wright, and I'm here with Nikki Kinzer. Hello, everyone. Hello, Pete Wright. Nikki, uh, today's conversation is a long time coming. Yes. A long Since time. November even, of 2020. Was that it? November? Well, I that's didn't when even... we first met her. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. And, and then the world happened. Yeah. And we had to we had to shake some things up, and I am just so excited to have our guest back on the show with us today uh, to share a bit of her experience in a a fascinating uh, time and place in which we live. Before we do that, head over to TakeControlADHD.com to get to know us a little bit better. You can listen to the show right there on the website or subscribe to the mailing list, and we'll send you an email each time a new episode is released. You can connect with us on Twitter or Facebook at TakeControlADHD. And if this show has ever touched you or helped to make help you make a change in your life for the better with ADHD, if you've ever found that you understand your own relationship with your ADHD in a new way, we invite you to consider supporting the show directly through Patreon. Patreon is listener-supported podcasting. With a few dollars a month, you can help guarantee that we continue to grow this show, have fantastic guests, add new features, and invest more heavily in our community. Visit patreon.com slash podcast to sign up today. Uh, and I have to say, we uh, welcome our new members. Our membership is is on a bit of a run. We're growing right now, and I'm just I'm so excited about it and petrified. Uh, we just released our uh, ADHD resource library, and that is that was our, our our last tier. And then I am on deck for a new tier. As soon as we hit this new goal, I think we only we have less than 20 members to set our goal. And Pete's going to be doing a new podcast, a new tech related ADHD podcast. And uh, I'm, I'm nervous about it. It's going to be members only, not even available at all to the public. Uh, and, and it's coming. So if you're interested in that, if you want to support development of that show, a second ADHD podcast with Pete. I'm speaking about Pete in the third person as if he's a different guy. <laughs> it's kind of and funny. He's actually, he's actually me. And uh, you. you want to support you, that, Pete. again, head over to patreon.com slash the ADHD podcast to set up, to, to help support podcast number two. Podcast Pete number, number two. two. Pete two. That guy <laughs> has it in for him. Who knows what's coming uh, down the pike. Uh, any, any other news, old business, Nikki? Nope, we're good. I love hearing that. All right, let's let's get started.
we met Sonal Singh as she was managing the virtual green room. Uh, she was our host for the session, not last year, I guess, but it was the year before now at the Chad International Conference on ADHD. Uh, our, our paths, weirdly, had never crossed, uh, yet we started chatting and realized just how fascinating her experience in the ADHD global community is. She is India's first certified ADHD coach. What would you do if you were in her shoes and you had the opportunity to teach all of those in your sphere about neurodivergence and executive function and the entire spectrum of ADHD who had not experienced it, who didn't know what they were living through. I think that is amazing. Of course, uh, Sanal is doing much of her work with the international audience from her home in Delhi, and we certainly uh, don't want to set her up as a, a, an ADHD savior for the entire country. We, we we don't want to do that. That might be too much for her to shoulder, but uh, we do think hearing of her experience in this place and time can give us a fascinating insight into the development of ADHD awareness as a culture and might just help you have those conversations with your own. Sonal Singh, welcome to the ADHD podcast. Thank you so much, uh, Nikki, Pete. I'm so excited to be here. You're right. This has been a long time coming and I'm finally, I'm, I'm glad that Finally, we worked it out. So, yeah. Absolutely. Well, I have a question for you uh, right off the bat because I am looking at your bio and I am seeing that uh, you went to a lot of different universities. You have a lot of different degrees. Um, what is a little, what is your past experience uh, and what led you up to being an ADHD coach? Yeah. So, um, I started off with uh, studying business and finance, and that was my life's goal to be in finance because that's what I loved. And um, that I did that in the US and came back to India and did business journalism, did consulting, um, went back to Thunderbird uh, for my master's degree, and then uh, came back to India again and decided mm -hmm. to help my parents set up a nonprofit here. So I've been running this nonprofit called Maitri India for the last 15 years. And um, as I was on this journey in my nonprofit, where we work to help people who are very vulnerable and marginalized, um, I also, of course, started my own family and um, started working a lot also with children who come from underserved communities. And what I found was that I had a child who, of course, has been affected by ADHD, who has ADHD. And uh, there are lots of children that we were working with that also struggled to pay attention, that also struggled to have a lot of uh, response inhibition, so to speak. So, you know, their ability to control their impulses. Um, and there were a lot of learning disabilities that these kids were struggling with that was not getting supported in their environment. And this led me on the path to actually become an educational therapist to learn what are learning disabilities, to start helping children with those differences, and also understand ADHD primarily because of my son. I was looking for an executive function coach here in India, and to my surprise, there was nobody. There was nobody. You could find a lot of people mm -hmm. in the therapeutic space, uh, which is great, mm -hmm. but nobody who would coach a child or an adult for executive function skills, for emotional regulation skills, for social skills, 
And these are so core for children who are uh, neurodiverse, for adults who are neurodiverse, right? Um, so that's what brought me on this path that I felt I had yeah. to help my son. I had to help these kids. I had to work with them. And uh, yeah, I started training. I find that fascinating. You, you you say you started training. You were in Delhi when you decided that you wanted to become an ADHD coach. How so? How how does one do that when the the country's? I imagine the country's infrastructure around supporting ADHD coaching is non-existent. Absolutely not there. There is nothing that supports you here. So I actually started looking for all these international programs for ADHD coaching. So first of all, you know, that was my first step. And um, I came across a couple of different programs. And of course, there's ADCA. And uh, mm -hmm. when I started looking at what time I could do these programs, could I do it online? Did I have to be present in the US? Um, just figuring out those logistics. So there was the first class that I was signing up for was like at 12.30 a.m. in the morning till 2.30 in the morning. Ouch. And uh, yeah, oh. so it was crazy, like just the schedule <clears throat> and the routine. Uh, but finally, we you know, discovered, like we figured out a much better time. And uh, yeah, I spent a year and a half just being on classes, these live online classes for a year and a half. And it was fantastic. So fabulous. Um, and the training process was so fun. And I learned so much about myself. That was the other thing, right? As a parent to a child mm -hmm. with ADHD, you realize that there's so much about yourself that you probably did not figure out, especially living in India. I realized that there were sections of ADHD, um, you know, challenges or people, the kind of behaviors, the kind of ways that you are in uh, depicted me clearly like that's who i was and i found myself in on those pages in those words so that was a really mm -hmm. interesting experience was it difficult to get your son diagnosed extremely tough um and mm -hmm. the reasons for that are varied because uh when he was younger um we were not really uh, we could not find anybody who really wanted to give him a diagnosis the 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 philosophy in india is for a large number of kids that you don't want to label the kid the child uh, mm -hmm. so therefore they many people many doctors can be absolutely averse to giving you a diagnosis you i, I want to clarify that what do you they don't want to label the yes. kids like the, talk more about that because you know the difference between a label and a diagnosis is is i i guess should not be so fuzzy absolutely so they um i think there is so much stigma in india around adhd around autism around learning differences that um there the 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 community that supports or does these diagnoses very often will not actually label children if until and unless the child is very extremely clear on that diagnosis. So in my son's case, we were not sure what exactly was it that he was struggling with. So was it learning differences? Was it, you know, was it that he's on the spectrum? Was it that he has ADHD? It's only when he was nine years old 
And uh, I went, I took him to New York because we still didn't know what was going on. And it was such a frustrating experience that um, we uh, we finally got a diagnosis that he has ADHD and he has a learning disability. You had to come to New York to get it. I had to come to New York. That's not to say one could not get it here if I had really, yeah. really pushed hard. But everybody would continuously give me no answers or uh, maybe he's on the spectrum maybe he has actually ADHD was never really even talked of and nobody really discussed that he needed support with executive function skills emotional regulation skills was something that we were working on but there were all these you know little dark spaces that you did not that I was not really supported or told about, that how do I really help him? How do I get him access to the services that he needs? Till we had this very, um, and this was his second assessment, a very detailed assessment in the US. Before that, he'd been assessed three times here in India and in the US. And that's when we clearly got a diagnosis that he has ADHD. <clears throat> And and this is not a unique experience. That's the other interesting thing. Yeah. There were there are so many kids over here that do not get diagnosed that easily. And even if they get diagnosed, they don't get the adequate support that they need. Um, I work a lot with adults with ADHD, young adults with ADHD. Uh, mm -hmm. And many of them have recently been diagnosed rather than being diagnosed much earlier in their life because Either the parents didn't want to, you know, take them and uh, get them those kinds of, uh, you know, sort of services, um, or it was that uh, there was just no understanding. And many kids and many young adults have also been diagnosed with anxiety or depression instead of ADHD. So a lot of misdiagnosis yes. as well. I can see that because that happens here, especially with women and and young girls. I know my, with my own daughter, I had a hard time mm -hmm. getting diagnosed, and I can't imagine how difficult it would be when it's not really even thought of, you know, in India, like it's not even some, something that's on their radar necessarily. It's got to be really um, difficult. So you work with young adults. Yes. Right. Or I mean, with adults with ADHD, do you also work with children too? Or so I, I, I work with um, anybody about the age of 12 and I work mm -hmm. a lot with parents. Uh, of children with ADHD or any other executive function, emotional regulation challenges. And of course, I work directly with teenagers and young adults and uh, everybody else, the general mm -hmm. population. Mm -hmm. I, I wonder if you could reflect a minute on, on what it's like helping people make that transition from living in a place where ADHD is not a, a generally broadly accepted diagnosis to realizing through their work with you that not only should it be, but they have it, they live with it. What is it like to, to, to experience that with people? It's been such an interesting experience, honestly. Um, so yes, I work with a lot of young adults, like I said, who've either been recently diagnosed or they suspect that they have ADHD. So it could be either one of those issues. And many times they come to me because they are struggling with your, you know, typical executive function challenges, or they're struggling with emotional regulation. And it is 
coming into it is having such a deep impact in their lives whether it's in their academic life or in their work life whatever spaces that they are active in um so when we start working together the first thing that we do is we really start understanding what they are experiencing as a person with adhd and how it is actually a valid experience it's not something that is made up it is not something that needs to be judged or criticized by not only others but even by themselves because they are so conditioned to feeling less than that this is just a a made up story that i am actually this lazy person or i'm this person who procrastinates you know all the time just because i i maybe i i don't understand what to do or you know whatever other sort of um, conditioning or other criticism that they've heard right so this is where it really comes from that the first step is just that validation that what you are experiencing is real and that in itself is transformational yeah i i have to imagine i i have to imagine that that uh, that grand awakening is I- extraordinary right that they realize here's here's who i am but this is why i feel different in my community well and i i know that even here a lot of people don't understand coaching like they don't understand what it is what's the difference between coaching and therapy or they've never heard of adhd coaching until they you know kind of just kind of come across it or something you know mm-hmm. a podcast like ours yeah, right. uh, <laughs> so i'm curious do you find that too where people are like i don't really know what you do but i'm curious so i want to know more about it <laughs> definitely yes Uh, all the time so the other thing is in india again uh, you know there's a lot of emphasis placed on uh, being from the medical space so for example when people seek support they generally would rather go to a psychologist or a psychiatrist and just the idea of coming to a coach who doesn't have the medical degree behind them is something that is very uncomfortable for many people that is the first step the second issue is that people don't really understand what is adhd coaching or what is executive function coaching or emotional regulation coaching or social skills for that matter right so there's a lot of education that really goes into it when i do my first calls with people uh when i go for um webinars and i have these conversations with parents right so there's a lot of education that really takes place on what does coaching do and how does coaching support you in ways that are actually sustainable and something that you apply and how is it actually different from just receiving therapeutic support right so that is the distinction that we make um, a lot of times in our first call and people really are confused as to why have i never heard of adhd coaching before yeah right it's like this this thing that doesn't exist and if, if they will typically look for people outside of india if they've ever heard of adhd coaching never in india because it just doesn't exist you know how do you sometimes you're working with somebody and and they really need therapeutic support right they they might need a stimulant they they might need to work with somebody to get a prescription uh, how how does that work for you in in a community where a medical community that is 
so reluctant to give a diagnosis in the first place. Do you interface with with the community to to help you know educate and say it's okay to prescribe a stimulant? Can they get stimulants if they need them? Yeah. So now there are more and more doctors in certain spaces who are absolutely um, you know doing these sorts of assessments and the diagnosis as well for people. It's increasingly um, happening, especially also for young adults and for children. Uh, There is still a lot of stigma in the general community about medicating a child for ADHD because there is this whole perception, my child's going to become a zombie, my child is going to get to be, you know, really low on energy. So there are all these misconceptions on how medication really works. And um, that is what I do through my talks. Um, And I know that there are, uh, so I have now started working a lot with doctors as well. um, And I know that this is the process that many of them also follow to talk to their clients or their patients about how medication actually works. The experimentation with different doses, the experimentation with different salts, because that understanding is absolutely lacking. Um, That said, Mm -hmm there is still a large number of doctors and a large number of patients who are present. The doctors are not diagnosing these patients in the way that they need to be diagnosed or not prescribing the medication in the way that they need to be medicated, uh, which is to say that they might give them one stimulant and that's it. And if that stimulant isn't working for the patient, uh, the patient is at a loss because they don't really know that they can go back and change the dose or change the salt or, you know, try a different strategy around it. So that education Mm -hmm. is not present. I can see that being a a major disadvantage because it does take time to to figure out what kind of medication works for you and uh, how discouraging to, to think, you know, oh, well, this didn't work and that's all I have. You know, mm-hmm. it's, it's, um, so you're spreading that word. I'm sure when you're talking to to clients to, to talk to them more about their options and their doctors, I would assume. Yeah. I have to imagine there's this, there's this like training about the language to use with yeah, your doctor. Like right. how do you communicate <laughs> with people who are, who are reluctant? How do you, how do you begin that process? Like I, I'm making some assumptions here that that's, that's part of your coaching is to learn you know, the language and how to use it. Yeah, I'm actually just now starting to understand a lot more about how to work with doctors. And we, the lockdown hasn't helped in this process, of course. Um, But, uh, but, but yeah, we are, we have initiated that process and that conversation. So in fact, uh, um, I'm working with Ada and some of the other, uh, some of the other uh, coaches in, you know, in South Asia and in um, mm-hmm. in Australia to see if we can put together a, a program just specifically targeting doctors, the medical fraternity, psychologists to, to communicate to them about how to work with the broader population that is not mm-hmm. able to access their services for a variety of reasons, right? 
I think it's important to understand how, like, how you're seeing perception change, both at the micro level, the people that you are working with directly in India, and are you are you seeing it? Are are you seeing those perceptions change? What kind of impact do you find that that you're making? And and you, I, I say you very broadly, like you and you know Ada and the, the experience that you're having, you know doing this work yeah, and the other coaches you're connecting with too yeah. for sure mm-hmm. yeah um so like i said uh, in india there aren't actually that many coaches right as in like there is nobody as yet there's only me but um <laughs> there people, aren't very many as in one <laughs> as in one but here's the good yeah. thing there are lots of people who are actually able to access coaches outside of india right so people are getting mm-hmm. aware that there is something like this that exists that can support them that is a great step forward honestly because you know you want people to go out there and seek help right um Mm -hmm. the kind of impact that i see or the kind of difference that i see in the time that i've started working in the spaces that there are more and more people who are willing to take that step uh there are more and more young adults especially who own the fact that they have ADHD they are not shy of it and they're so curious about how they can help themselves to actually manage the challenges or the different or understand their ADHD for that matter a lot better to understand how do they hone you know their strengths and how do they actually uh, work on the different uh, you know challenges that they have and 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 move further in whatever vision of life that they want and that has been really great because i don't think this is something that i saw when i first started working um in this space where people were um were very reluctant to talk about their ADHD they were very reluctant to talk about it to other people so we talk a lot around advocacy uh, advocating for yourself and being able to you know understand and judge what are the spaces that you need to actually talk to people about about your ADHD so that has been really a great thing and um the other thing that i've really enjoyed uh and and this is coming from a coaching session i just had today in fact and it's just a reflection of the last few um years or the last couple of years especially um this the this young adult that i was working with or i have been working with has been so delighted to have understood how her adhd shows up in herself what is the kind of strategies survival strategies that she's had over the years and how some of those survival strategies are not working and she needs to have a new way of rewiring her brain a new way of developing her toolkit and that's what's going to take her further and that self realization and that self awareness is what has been so amazing and this is what i see with so all the different young adults that i work with uh the teenagers that i work with uh which was not the case earlier it was very much you know i have adhd there's not what can i do like it was almost a crutch or it was this resignation that i have to live like this living in this state of you know not being able to do the things that i have to do or not making other people happy so just a whole lot of um like self doubt and lower self worth because of the fact that they just mm-hmm. weren't wa- be feeling validated it's it's gratifying 
at some level, as somebody living with ADHD, that everything that you're talking about is it, it could I, I could use those same words, right? That's here you are in India working with uh, Indian and international clientele, and all of the, the, the everything you're talking about is is these are like universal concepts for me. Like that's you're, you're speaking right in in my backyard. How though does culture impact coaching when dealing with an international clientele? How do you how do you handle that? That's a great question. Um, so. Like you said, there are so many similarities, right? The, the human experience as such is absolutely universal. So yeah. uh, so, so that is a big thing that when I'm working with international clients, we are connecting at that level. Um, there mm-hmm. are, of course, cultural differences. So for example, the way somebody in India experiences ADHD within their families. There's a lot of lack of support. There's a lot of stigma attached. Um, Somebody who is in the international world out there may experience um, that same invalidation a little bit differently, Uh, not in the same way as somebody feels it here in India. So, So that understanding, sometimes I really have to be able to open my mind up to and be able to see with a different lens. Um, so therefore, I actually spend a lot of time and and not just reading, but I have also lived in the United States. I have lived mm-hmm. and moved, uh, you know, traveled across the world. So there is this understanding of how people experience life in other cultures and communities. Um and that has been a helpful experience too. But yeah, definitely mm-hmm. it requires me to shift my lens and to have a much more sort of an open mind to the fact that yes, this possibility can exist. So for example, you know, ideas around gender um, or sexuality, these are things that not everybody talks about very openly here in in, in India, but, but people outside of India might, actually really grapple with these issues as a part of their identity, as a person with ADHD, and how do you actually support them through that time? You know, added to that, like, I... I... I know it, it's pretty easy here when you see, um, you know, you see somebody struggling with ADHD and they are dealing with attention, fractured attention, and the, I need to go get some help with ADHD, right? I just, the bar of knowing when to go get help is lower uh, because we have a, a culture of acceptance here that has has grown over decades uh, that makes it easier. My what I am thinking is the weight of uh, of of sort of crisis that I I might have to be dealing with in a culture where no one is talking about ADHD. I have to deal with all of those unconscious stresses and and cultural issues of cultural bias against ADHD before I'd be willing to even you know, pick my head up and ask for, for help, ask for what is this that I'm dealing with? It, I, I imagine that there is sort of latent trauma around it that, that yeah. people don't get know how to talk about. I, such, absolutely, yes. Um, so many, so many people I work with, and I think of myself as well, right? The fact that you have gone through life or are going through life where there is just 
a complete, not just an, a non-acceptance of ADHD, but at some level also thinking that you are creating this, you know, whole persona of someone who is different. And honestly, like you don't fit that uh, prototype or, or that that way that you would imagine someone to have ADHD. And, and really, it's not such a big deal. I, I struggle with those challenges too. So what makes you special, right? Uh, why yeah. is it such a challenge for you? Uh, so that stigma is so strong because there is a complete non-acceptance of somebody's diagnosis. And forget the diagnosis even, that's a bigger word. Just the fact that this is who they are, that they struggle with certain ways of being. They they need that novelty or they need to, you know, for example, get up in the morning and they need a certain structure and certain support to help them live their life a certain way to for them to be successful. That and and the per- perception is that's just unnecessary. This person is seeking attention or this person is incompetent, right? So you're dealing with this burden. It's a massive shame and the burden is constant. It is from your family. It is from your siblings. It is from your, you know, the faculty in your school or in your college. It is from the peers that you have. It is in your work environment because there's always that, yeah, this person just is keeps making a big deal about something that, that we all struggle with. Little realizing that, no, you know, he or she has a different intensity. It's a different wiring. Um, so, yeah, there's mm-hmm. a lot of, um, I guess the word I'm looking for is, um, uh, like, again, I'm going back to invalidation, but, but you know, not really seeing the person for who they are. It it shows, you know, your clientele how brave and courageous they are to ask for help mm-hmm. and to say, I, I want to understand this. I want you to to help me see this in a different lens. And what a blessing, you know, really to to have you. And I hope that more people uh in India will become coaches that you can have colleagues with and you know and and be able to help more people because I can imagine there's a lot more people that need help that that just you can help. Oh, de- yeah. Know? Yeah. What is the what are you finding in terms of like the demand for other people to to become coaches? As of now, interestingly, and maybe it's a factor of you know the fact that we are in lockdown. I've not had that yeah. many people who've asked me about how can they become a coach. As of now, mm-hmm. whenever I interact with people, mostly it has been you know, how do I get help? What is the way that you can help me? Um, And if you can't help me, where else can I seek help outside of India if it's not here? Mm -hmm. But um, strangely, as of now, because I think this whole notion of ADHD coaching is so new. And um, Mm -hmm. just to bring that conversation in for people who are in the ADHD sort of little, little, uh, you know, spheres still has to start to take place. So for example, we are taking, I had started a peer support group 
for Indian young adults. And we had such little uptake because uh, people were reluctant to kind of be part of a peer support group, which was meeting in person. They didn't really know how, what to expect, how to interact, and um, what to expect from it, honestly. Um, mm -hmm. It's taken us a while to get to a point where we have a peer support group for uh, Indians outside of India, and they are very active. So slowly we are bringing, you know, trying to bring bridge that gap where we have a space for global Indians or global South Asians. And mm -hmm. everybody around the world can participate in that space and then generate more conversation again about, you know, how do you help your ADHD? And ADHD coaching is one of those things. As we get to wrapping up, that is, you, you've just landed on on the thing that I think I'm, I'm most interested in, which is making that pivot for people, like for a group that does not accept ADHD, even if they're living with it, to, to make the turn and realize, oh... I, I need to I need to be able to accept this for myself. I, I will my life will be improved just at the awareness of living with ADHD. How what do you think it is uh, that helps people make that transition? From whatever I've seen with my clients and whatever I've seen again with myself, uh, the first and foremost is like that self-awareness that this lived experience is real. And I'm not making this up. What I'm feeling actually exists, right? And that is huge. And knowing that there are others who can support you on this journey, that you are not just walking in the dark without really understanding why you are the way you are. Right. So that I think has been my my um, what I glean from this, what I what I take away from that. You're amazing. Yeah, <laughs> no, that's just great. Uh, yeah. You where if people want to learn more about uh, about your work, say they hear you on this podcast and they want to learn what uh, I would love to have my coach be the only certified ADHD coach in India. Where would they go? <laughs> Yeah, so you can find me on www.sonalsinghcoaching.com. That's Sonal Singh, S-O-N-A-L-S-I-N-G-H, sonalsinghcoaching.com. And then on Facebook, I'm on Exceptional Minds. And on Instagram, I'm on ADHD Life Coaching. Excellent. Great. We'll put uh, we'll put all those in the show notes for yeah. folks. Any, Thank you any, so much. Yeah, it's just really great to to have you here. Any last words? What would you, the the first? It's very early here, so uh, for folks who are watching the live stream, what what would you what would you leave them with? Give us a final message. I guess what I would leave you with is the fact that everybody in the U.S. especially and in many parts around the world are already walking far ahead than we are in India on this journey of understanding ADHD and so much of what you do actually helps you know show us the path of where we can go and how we can support each other here in India and really learn about living with ADHD in a way that is actually very fulfilling, um, that is meaningful, right? Because that is one of the experiences that many of us really don't know exists. 
So thank you for sharing mm-hmm. those stories and yeah just being really authentic about your ADHD that is so helpful because that's who you know you are that's who I am and living that life with authenticity is really helpful because that's what I can look forward to. Oh. That's lovely. That is a great, yes, is. great message. So I'll thank you so much. And thank you, everybody, for downloading and listening to this show. We appreciate your time and attention. Don't forget, if you have something to contribute about the conversation, we're heading over to the Show Talk channel and our Discord server. You can join us right there by becoming a supporting member at the deluxe level. On behalf of Nikki Kinzer and Sonal Singh, I'm Pete Wright. We'll see you next week right here on Taking Control, the ADHD podcast. Mm-hmm.